Welcome to the Wardrobe Muse, helping you dress from the inside out. Feeling wardrobe challenged? Discover your style with me. I love working with women to identify their authentic self through clothing, to craft and maintain simple wardrobes that reflect who they truly are and that work for their lifestyles. To work together, visit me on the web at lastwardrobe.com. Visit lasswardrobe.com. Here's your host, Lisa. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Wardrobe Muse, where we talk sustainability and style. Today's guest is my new friend, Maria DiLorenzo from MFD Style, and you can find her on Instagram at MFD underscore style. Welcome, Maria. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. I'm so excited. Tell us just a little bit about you before I start grilling you. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love a good story. Um, So I am a native of Dallas, Texas. So I've got a little Southern twang on occasion, but I have been in Boston uh, now almost 20 years. This will be my 20 year anniversary, in fact. So uh, I guess I'm a transplant. I'm a New Englander. And my world has been um, kind of this interesting little nonlinear path of working in style and all things wardrobe for over 15 years, all alongside higher education. I work in fundraising consulting now as well. So I've had my toe dipped in a couple different worlds, but I love style. It's the thing that makes me the most excited about life. So excited to be with you today. I love it. Maria's bringing all these, you know, fabulous talents and experiences to play. I was delighted when we found each other and I was surprised that, you know, you liked the idea of this, um, form of collaboration as two stylists doing the same thing and the outside world might certainly perceive us as competitors. So it was great to have a discussion with you and talk about what we could bring to our collective audiences and beyond about normalizing the service that we offer and kind of working together as stylists in a way that helps our audience to understand why you should grab a session with a a stylist or a wardrobe coach or image consultant. Everyone calls it something a little different. So, you know, we're just here to talk about how we can work together because we have very different styles. Mm -hmm. Um, You're more classic, um, a little bit of a elegant preppy. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of like what I always say, hippie chic. So, um, (laughs) you know, it was just, it was so great to meet you and then start having these conversations. And I'd love your perspective on those early conversations and how we started brainstorming. Yeah, it was, I have to give um, enormous credit back to you for this because Instagram, which is a funny little platform at times, right? That um, you came up and uh, I think I told you this story recently, but your name, Lisa Ann, is actually the same first name as like one of my dearest friends. And so your name actually caught my eye. And then as I sort of dug into your profile and I'm looking and I'm like, oh my gosh, this woman is in the Boston area. She's a stylist. Like there are so many overlaps here that my curiosity was piqued. And it was just a perfect opportunity for me just to see like, maybe this could be a cool partnership. Maybe there could be some opportunity for us just to get to know each other. And And that sort of was the impetus for, I think, a lot of really cool first conversations between us. Um, I'm thinking about one of the first ones, just where we discovered um, our love of sustainability and sort of some of these pieces that clearly we're going to talk more about. But, you know, my early memories, especially of just kind of the, the 
connections that we had. We have a lot of uh, mutual friends. Certainly Boston, sometimes as big as this city is, can be very small. And so the overlaps and the people you get to meet here. Um, so we have a lot of common friends, which is kind of cool too. And yeah, really that was delightful. That. that was delightful to figure out. We knew some some yeah. common people and yeah. uh, just their work that they're doing is great. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked a lot, Maria and I, about, you know, uplifting women and looking at life from an abundance mentality. Mm-hmm. So very often when Um, And this is nothing against the individual people, but when I meet other people in this space, um, there seems to be a little bit of a a fear-based or a territorial approach because I'm kind of friendly and I just want to know more and learn more. And so I'm always trying to engage them and there's that step away. And so Maria and I talked a lot about, isn't this great that she and I are stepping into a friendship and a professional Um, dialogue as well, and not having that scarcity mentality. Talk a little bit about, help the audience understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think um, (laughs) this is such a huge piece of, I think, what connected us. And I think that is such a core component of really who I am and what I try to do in my style business that you're right, there is an essence of, um, and there can be an essence of competition and sort of we're all out there to find clients and um, obviously have our businesses be leveraged and successful. But I think the thing that has really transformed me in the last couple of years and where we connected quickly was that sense of, of that there's always abundance in clients. There will always be people out there who need support and are looking for the right match and a stylist. So there's no shortage there, right? There's no scarcity. Of, of people who can actually connect with and, and perhaps become clients of ours. And so the real magic, I think, comes in this sort of abundant mindset is that we can work together to help, as you mentioned, normalize the work of style, help people feel like it's more accessible and that they can relate to the concepts and sort of what we're doing. And that helps educate people to, to understand what it takes and how you don't have to be some you know Hollywood elite to be able to have access to a stylist and that we can help each other you know, recognize that every client that comes to our door may not be a perfect fit for who we are and the style support that we offer. And so my hope in this, and I know that you share this, is that why wouldn't I want sort of the pocket of stylists that I know that I can trust and I can feel confident referring to for someone to get the best service that they need and want? Sometimes that's going to be me and I'm going to hope for that. And other times it may not. And so I just loved the opportunity of learning more about you because our style aesthetics are different. That helps me feel like, oh yeah, then this person may be really well suited for Lisa and you know, and others. So, so I think that sense of abundance comes about helping really the client in the most abundant way and giving them really the best style and support that they need and recognizing that 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 comes from this community of stylists, not just from me. And part of normalizing this approach or this um, solution or this this option for people is meeting them where they are. And so not every client is going to be vibing with me and I want to have a support system of other professionals that I can say, oh, you know what, what you're describing and the problem you have can be better solved by my colleague, Maria or whoever, whoever, whoever. So we're always then aligning the right resource to the client, having our practices be client centric. And then the more people that use this and have success, again, it just normalizes this because you 
you don't go and fix your hot water heater yourself. You hire a plumber. Um, That's right. You don't try to get down there in the basement and tinker in a flood of water when the, the thing bursts open. So, uh, you know, some people don't have a lot of agency around style, fashion, uh, curated closet, sustainability. That's where we can help bring that in as a service, uh, as a support, because you're probably too busy being a teacher or a nurse or a, an accountant or a lawyer to deep dive into all of the knowledge that we have because we just love this profession. This is our mm. craft. We can help you do your craft better. Pivoting a little bit, you know, my having worked for many years at Eileen Fisher, you know, who was talking about sustainability, you know, before much of the rest of the industry, it, it was one of the core business values of that um, firm that I worked with and of my own life. It's It's a big value for me to think about ways to be more sustainable. Um, you know, given my background, I kind of stayed in that sustainability lane when I struck out on my own. So that's an important piece of my values in my, in my business. Um, how do you incorporate sustainability into your particular business concept and into MFD style? Mm, yeah, I think it was something that I didn't have uh, awareness for when I was really starting to think about my styling services and really the best ways to educate people. And I'll, and I'll say that I'm grateful for my background in education because I do think I really approach my work from that perspective to be able to bring that knowledge base and that information to clients to help them make better choices for themselves, right? So the sustainability consciousness, if you will, um, was something that really came to me over time. And it, I, you know, I think for all of us, um, whether it's the state of the world, the current state of the, you know, the environment and the climate and all, there's a host of factors and we won't necessarily go into all the specifics today, but there is an element. I feel like that there's an awareness rising in this particular area. And for you, Lisa, who's been focused and committed to this um, has been a great inspiration because I feel like it's given me the courage to make this be more a part of my business model and some in the ways that I do the work. And so to answer your question about like, how does that work for me and, and, and the way that I support my client? So I think it's a couple things. The first really starts with, uh, I think about the ways that I am committed to reimagining closets and starting from a place of let's work with what you have versus let's buy and purchase and consume more um, to add to the closet. And so that sort of reimagining process of putting new combinations together, helping people sort of see the, the, you know, the diamond in the rough type of thing that's already in their closets, I think is something that uh, is sort of a good starting point when it comes from this sustainability perspective. Yeah, it's a core Please. service of mine. Yeah. And I feel like it's so foundational because yeah. when Maria and I can step in and start our client where they already are, yeah. leveraging every purchase they've made, leveraging and building up their confidence that they made the right purchases, like 80% of the time. Okay, so there's that 20% that, you know, let's give it to charity. But really building and informing the customer, building her up within mm. the structure of what she's already uh, got in that closet, in that wardrobe, mm -hmm. um, starting there is so critical versus yeah. starting as, a, and this is no slam to my colleagues who are personal shoppers, but I like starting with what's yeah. already been. 
Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I think there's something important about, um, you've made a choice to have those clothes in your closet to begin with, right? So why not try to maximize and let's tap into like, why did you buy this in the first place and how does it serve you? And, you know, so being able to kind of, again, reframe that, I think for clients has been one of the best practices around helping them see like, you don't, you don't necessarily need more, right? You yeah. can, you can hold on to what you have and you can use that in new and different and sometimes different functional ways, which is kind of where the reimagining comes into play. It's such a very rich conversation because we're not starting, again, back to the abundance mentality. We're starting our client in a place where, you know, you probably have everything you need, yeah, but you're sort of stuck because you see your pieces every day in the same way. And a fresh set of eyes or girlfriend in your closet who can mix things up, match things in a way you didn't think about. Mm. Maybe we do say, yeah, you know, if you bought a belt, um, (laughs) these three outfits with a belt would be transformed. Or if you bought a a tall boot, not high heel, but tall like calf, you know, to the calf, that would make you Mm -hmm. able to wear these pieces multi-season. So we're bringing that freshness, that Mm. kind of fun back to playing with the items in your closet. Yeah. You know, some of my favorite tricks, really, it's the simplest thing. And for you that also worked in retail for many years, you know, the magic of putting things in different order. So re-merchandising, right? So we're so accustomed to leaving our closets in the exact order in the same way all year long, all the time. But sometimes if you just move it around, right, like put your sweaters over here and move your tank tops over there. And it just helps you sort of see, and, you know, there's a lot of research obviously and sort of how your brain makes um, connections and meaning out of where you've kind of reassigned the placement of your wardrobe. So of course you're seeing and, and uncovering new things just simply by doing that. And so um, that's been a really easy trick that I often bring to clients when we work together. I also love being the um, drawer disruptor. I'm like, yes, empty that drawer out. What's in that drawer? There's, you know, costume jewelry they claim they haven't worn in 20 years. That's junk. It's actually treasure. Treasure. (laughs) Treasure. Or um, they'll have like a big ball of scarves that are all confused up and, and thrown in the back of the closet. I'm like, that's treasure. Get it out. So true. Yeah. Yeah, so true. Well, let's give this audience two or three important um, facts or tips on sustainability. And I, I say that because I think the word is, it's powerful, but it's also scary and daunting. And it doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people who don't uh, stay with that content on a regular basis. So I'll, I'll start it off by Please. saying um, one way you can be more sustainable is just purchasing those new items you need by maybe using a Poshmark or a ThreadUp or a really, really great boutique consignment store. If you're not into like savers where you have to really go in and and poke, Um, there are some great new uh, boutiques that are emerging with previously loved products. So that would be one way to create a sustainable wardrobe without having to find that big word. (laughs) 
Absolutely. So, In fact, I offer that to my clients um, mm-hmm. at the conclusion of an appointment where, you know, you've identified the like, what are we going to keep? What are we going to toss? Because it's just so poorly out of shape and really just can't be kind of rectified. Um, and then what about this donate consignment pile? And so I take it upon myself. I always check first, but I, um, I am committed to trying to make sure to donate to places that I know that can put it immediately into circulation as opposed to some other larger scale organizations perhaps that don't end up getting sold or that's where it lands in the landfill, right? So it's trying to get it into the hands of more people who can use it. So to your point around Poshmark or ThreadUp or others, that to me is, um, I'm, a com- I'm very committed to that. And I always offer that service to do it for them, for my client, if they feel like I don't have time to mm, figure all it. this out, right? That also goes with um, consignment. And I, I kind of work with them and helping them find the right organization to consign. So, so I will build on that. And I will say some of the simple tips that I try to do from a sustainability factor is, you and I know have talked about this before, is helping clients learn to read labels, garment labels, and to understand the composition of the fabrics that their clothes have. And my rule of thumb, and it, you know, I would love to hear your thought on this, is I always try, if you're going to start from kind of step one base level, work to get 60% of the composition to be a natural fiber. And ultimately, I'd love you to get to 100%, right? But not everybody kind of makes that leap quite so quickly. Um, but I try to give them that sort of rule of thumb saying, like, just look at the label. Is it a is it an actual fiber that you recognize like cotton or linen or silk? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can get at least 60% out of that, then you're headed in the right direction. So we're very like-minded on that. I, um, I really don't think people read labels. And I don't want to make people crazy, but it's like the organic food movement that took shape in this country. And then all of a sudden people started reading ingredients and they started asking where the producer of the the tomatoes were and and what was in there. So we're asking people, let's just use that kind of tip that you do with your food and let's apply it to your clothing. Let's at least start being more aware, you know, who made my clothes, where were they made and what are they made of? Because the easy fabrics, and I do have some of these in my own wardrobe, the uh, polyester spandex, the um, the things that feel really good. If you really deep dive into the um, label, you'll find out that there isn't anything natural in them. There's spandex, mm-hmm. there's polyester, um, and nylon, and that cannot break down in landfills. So mm-hmm. once you have used it and you think you're donating it to a textile, even a recycler, it's really, really hard for that to break down. So I, like you, Maria, am like, can we try to look at wool? Can we look at cotton? Can we look at silk? Bamboo is a great fiber, hemp. And I think when we say these fibers, people, women think um, earthy, nutty, crunchy, granola, Berkeley, California, you're going to look like a hippie. But there are some amazing um, uses for those fibers that are very modern and very chic and mm. very wearable. And all of those breathe better on your body. Uh. So there's a whole other discussion about, you know, because I do work with women over 40 mostly, you know, that whole chemical change within your body and things don't feel the same as they used to and hot flashes and, you know, all manner of that, the physicality of dressing and Mm. some of these natural fibers really 
go very far in solving some of those problems. Yeah, definitely. Another thing I like to do, and uh, I'll throw this tip out and we'll see if, if you do it as well. I like to get people to curate their closet more. So uh, less items, maybe better quality, but definitely less items that go more places, if you will. They mix and match better. And then the fun, trendy, awesome colors can come from accessories that are not as expensive. The footprint of the accessory is not as large. And if it needs to be recycled out, it's sizeless. So it can be more easily donated for more wider use, or you can like not gift it, but you can give it to someone. And again, it's size independent. So yeah, I love it. You're talking capsule wardrobe. That's right up my alley, right? The whole concept of, you know, there's no magic number that I always have clients ask me like, well, how many should I have? Is 30 the right number? Is 100? You know, there's no magic number, really. Um, whatever less may mean to you and seems functional to someone's lifestyle and purpose is is the number that we work with, right? But the concept is you're describing of mixing and matching and again, maximizing an item to be worn multiple seasons. You know, we live in New England, so um, our summers are relatively short. And our winters and falls tend to be longer. So if we can wear something three seasons, it's like magic. So uh, to be able to give people the the function of a capsule and the concept that they can mix and match uh, and start to see, and this is where the function of an item really comes into play, right? To not necessarily wear one piece in a traditional way, but have some, you know, variety in the ways that you may wear it. So, you know, we talk about like, you might have a blazer and it's a, a you know, a double breasted blazer. And so uh, maybe instead of wearing it traditionally with your cami or tank underneath, maybe you can just wear it wrapped, right? With a belt over it or, you know, some other ways to kind of get a different look out of the same item. And so I think that's a huge piece of helping extend the life of your wardrobe beyond sort of the typical function. I love it. We're very like-minded in that arena as well. I think the ultimate form of sustainability though is the freedom that a client can gain after working with us because they now understand their unique secret sauce, aka their personal style. Yes. And they feel agency finally around I'm not going to buy something just because it's in the store merchandised. We both come from a retail background, so we know the magic of merchandising. That's um, right. Or, you know, running into nothing against a store like Marshall's or TJ Maxx or whatever, but running in and grabbing something because it's it's on sale. Right. It's it's some name that that's it, it, really usually unaffordable, but now it's on sale. It doesn't go with anything that they own, but... I, I think that's the ultimate, ultimate form of sustainability when they have ownership over and can make decisions over the advertising. Yeah. Or the you're, you're going down the route of what does it mean to make an investment, right? And I think a lot of people talk about it in regards to uh, a financial cost associated with an item. And so your point about something's on sale, it's relatively cheap. So isn't this fun to have this? Well, and, and, you know, to take kind of the financial aspect out of this equation, what if we were able to look as it at an investment as something that you have for long-term, as opposed to whether you spent $10, $100, $1,000 on it, I would rather you just have it in your wardrobe a long time, 
So the investment really comes in how uh, functionally you could keep it in your wardrobe as opposed to how much you paid for it, right? Um, and there's, you know, there's some debate out there about typically higher priced items can be of higher quality, better garment care, and they, um, you know, they're, they're functional in the way that they're designed may be better, all good, all true. But that's not to say 100% cotton tank from Target might still last you five years. And I would love that, right? I want you to own that piece and to keep that in your wardrobe for the sustainability reason. So I have a very strong feeling that Maria and I are going to maybe come together on this podcast, perhaps quarterly, and talk more about sustainability. I'm, I'm going to leave that there for one second, but we can unpack so, so, so much more. Um, I want to shift a little and ask you a question about how do you feel about hitting um, age milestones? And I, I ask this because this comes up a lot in my customer interactions, um, mm. either on the end of uh, people are early in their career, so they haven't developed a style or a wardrobe and they're kind of scrambling, or people are churning those milestone um, ages 40, 50, 60. So I'm curious how you feel about hitting your own age milestone mm. and how that reflects in your work. Yeah, I love this question for a couple of reasons because everybody can resonate with it, right? Uh, for better or worse, and God willing, we're all going to age over time, um, but that we're all going to hit various milestones and ultimately then transitions, right, in our life and sort of what that may look like will be different for everyone. Um, and the beauty of this work is that it is so individualized that there's no one way to do dressing in your 40s or dressing in your 50s or when you're a new college graduate and going into the workforce, right? There are innumerable ways to do that. And so your concept of developing a signature style, as you say, or a personal style is the fun part. That's the opportunity that comes out of transition and hitting those various milestones. And I think, you know, there's, there's a for any, and I happen to really love birthdays, so I'll just put that out on the table there. I really, I enjoy the concept of celebrating, you know, I've completed a year, I'm looking forward to a new year. I'm 42, and so I'm in my 40s. There's a different sort of feeling about being in your 40s than I had in my 20s and 30s, and I embrace it. And I recognize that at every stage of this life, um, that I get, that I do have the opportunity to embrace it and to, to live it in the present. And I think that's where the wardrobe piece can be exciting and it can use and support us um, in whatever stage we're in. So, you know, instead of looking at it as like, whoa, is me, I just turned 40 or I turned 50 or, you know, whatever the milestone is, what if you flipped it and reframed it and said, wow, here I am in this new decade or this new opportunity for me what do I want to do? How do I want to feel in my body? How do I want to dress? There's no rule here. And we can go forward in a way that makes us feel best about it. But it's so interesting to me, like that women put up their own roadblocks oh, on. Yeah. So I, you know, I had a client, I, I don't think she's going to uh, be upset that I'm talking about her. I won't name her, but um, she is very youthful looking. She has amazing skin. She um, takes mm -hmm. care of herself, but she's at that stage where in her development, in her career, she needs to look not like she's in grad school. Yes. So just because she's so blessed with all of these wonderful attributes, 
the way it can work against her is that she looks too young and she doesn't have the authority in her field. Yeah. And she's in a field um, where finance is involved in accounting. And so I had to gently suggest to her that she cut her hair, which I know is like a super personal thing and gets a little bit out of the spectrum of clothing style. Um, but I was explaining to her that um, we want her face to be framed. Mm. Um, we want her hair a little shorter to convey that she's not just in grad school, you know, popping it up in a, you know, a bun, yeah, yeah, a ponytail. Mm -hmm. And um, that because she works in a field where authority is, is an issue, we want her to be approachable, but we want her to be authoritative. And the way to get her clients or in her work to pay attention to her is if they can draw attention to her eyes, make eye mm. contact, feel the trust and listen to what she's saying because they're actually looking at her. So this whole thing about style and milestones is it can be a big conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And where you, I love what you said about where you want to command attention Right. And that is such a perfect. And I think for all of us that have been spending so much time in virtual conferencing space, right, where we're in the square all day long, um, that what you have on that, you know, upper half to draw attention to your face matters. So people can focus on what you're saying, how you're delivering your messages. Right. So framing your face, as you said, is a key trick and being able to draw attention there as opposed to other places that may distract. So I love that tip. It would be something I definitively would tell a similar client in the same situation, but being able to help her understand, help them focus on new, on you, right? Not necessarily what you're wearing or what right. you're doing, right? It's about what you're saying and what you're communicating and conveying. And there's like a, a wisdom in all of this. Um, as you're growing and aging and changing, how do you kind of um, change your own personal style? Um, so we, we can be leading in this, in this realm. Do you know what I mean? We have to lead by example, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. I think there's a couple things. Um, I think there's that concept of learning to age gracefully and to embrace, like I said, sort of the phase that you're in and don't mourn the years that are behind you and don't necessarily, you know, wait in anticipation for the years ahead, but to look and see and value. And this is a huge message I know for both of us, but to love the body that you're in today and to love the human and the person that you are today um, for all the things that have happened to you and all the things that will happen to you. So there's a sense of like owning your style uh, to be who you are in the truest sense and having that authentic connection with who, who really am I? How do I want to present myself to this world? And is there an opportunity here to shift if I might want to? And surely you can. And I, I talk a lot about this with clients in that I feel like wardrobe can be a tool for support. Mm -hmm, and I've got mm -hmm. a lot of um, examples in my own personal life. Maybe we could talk about sometime, but that there's, it's, it showed up for me in a way that when I needed it to do the hard thing or to, uh, mm, to, mm -hmm. to be, you know, in front of a group of people, wardrobe showed up for me in a way that helped me do that. And it wasn't obviously the sole purpose or the reason I got through it, but it was a tool that I could lean on to be able to help me do it. 
And so for people who don't see that connection, I feel like the more we can try to make that link between sort of self-presentation and self-love, the greater we're going to be sort of in how we live who we are today. I love how you segued into that. I, I think having a closet that works for you, whether you call it a, a wardrobe or a, your closet or a curated right. closet, um, actually makes your life a lot easier. It makes getting up and getting out the door to do whatever it is that you're bringing to the world, it gives you ease in that. Um, clothes should always be comfortable. The, the number one thing I tell my clients is nothing in your closet should be uncomfortable. That's right. Because if you're going to move in this world and make a difference, whatever that is for you, whatever your secret sauce is that you're bringing out to the world, you can't do that if you can't move. And so clothes need to be able to allow that and facilitate your feeling that movement. And then from that, how do we put you in something that makes you feel confident mm. and special? And then beyond that, how do we make all of that look a certain way that's just for you? And that's the signature style piece. You're not right. dressing for someone else anymore. You're dressing for you. Another place where I see women getting stuck, um, and we've talked about this, is they're in the hair and now, but they're not in the hair and now. So they're, they're saying to me, well, you know, 10 years ago when I worked at blah, 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 I wore those suits. And so they're in my closet because I, I may go back to that industry or I may go back to a similar company. So I'm thinking about keeping those suits or they'll say, <laughs> I'm going to lose 40 pounds. And then when I hit that milestone, then I'll figure out what I'm wearing and what my closet should be in the contents. But I can't deal with that right now. So they're not actually living in the now. <laughs> They don't have right. that agency. That's right. It's funny you talk about that because I just had this conversation with a client not too long ago about the jeans that she keeps for when she loses weight, right? And so we had a great conversation about, okay, let's talk about these jeans for a second. Are these motivating you to actually lose the weight? Are they a, are they a point that's going to give you aspiration and positivity? And they're going to be a point with which every time you look at them, they're going to think, yes, I'm doing this. This is good. I feel good about myself. I feel good in my body. Or are you looking at it and feeling shame every time you look at those jeans? Like, I cannot believe I still can't fit in those. I'm so, I can't, I used to, gosh, I wish I could get back to that time, right? So it's demotivating, right, in that space. And so I'm not here to tell people to keep it or not keep it, because I think there's a conversation to be had about how that piece actually serves the person in their wardrobe. And I'm going to always advocate for if it's motivating you and it's going to achieve a certain level of positivity in your life, then okay, let's keep one pair of jeans that are going to do that for you. We don't have to keep 10, right? But, um, but if it's really not building you up, then I would rather you say goodbye. And that's where we come into this um, term I love to use, radical self-acceptance. So what I've learned, you know, through the wisdom of my age, because I'm turning 57 this year and all my experience, I did have a corporate life before I did this work. So I have a lot of awareness of what it's like to move in that world and be a working woman, um, as well as being an entrepreneur or, you know, a solopreneur. But what I've learned is you have to love yourself and the body that you have, and you have to have gratitude for health and wellness and embrace and dress who you are today. Yeah, 100%. This is such a good, obviously a good conversation for us to have. 
as humans, right? And that we individually, myself included, yourself included, we are on this trajectory of learning how to do that better every day. Like some days you wake up and you feel great about yourself. Some days you don't, right? That's a normal human experience. But how you then reframe to get yourself back in that state of like, I am really grateful for this body that has served me. I am very grateful that I have health and wellness on my side, right? That that kind of uh, mindset, so getting back to the abundance mindset and sort of really embracing that sense of fullness and capacity that you have it's cool when that gets to to shift into the ways that you feel about yourself and then likewise, how you dress. So, yeah, well, we're like really heady right now. So let's get down to sort of brass tacks. I'm <laughs> sure. just going to ask a couple of questions that the audience might be sitting there asking like, well, this is all great, but um, mm. how do you ladies help, you know, us potential clients determine what we should wear? So uh, one trick of my trade is in our initial consult, right? When we're talking with a new client, I usually ask them for, can you think of a day when you felt really authentically yourself, right? You just sort of, it stands out in your memory. And so talk to me about how you felt that day and what are some adjectives that you might use to describe who you were that day, how you felt, et cetera. So sometimes you might get like, oh, I felt beautiful or I felt sophisticated or I felt pulled together, you know, whatever the phrase is. So I use that that grouping of words. I usually get, you know, six to 10 words out of them. And we will come back to that, those, uh, those descriptors throughout the entire client engagement. And so I say like, does this make you feel sophisticated? Do you feel pulled together? Like, so I, I try to reuse their own language in a way so that they're connecting their signature personal style with words out of their own mouth, right? So that's one thing that I do. I, I love that. Well, I've been doing something similar, but I've been using um, Pinterest. Yeah. So I've been asking them to create a board using that tool because it's free and you can also yep. put it on the mobile device without figuring out what your budget is, without figuring out what size you are. Just pull imagery from Pinterest that lights you up. So find some outfits, find some, you know, things, pictures, colors that really make you feel excited and yeah. creative and then they put that together in a board or a mosaic. And we use that um, to kick off our engagement together. Because when I'm holding something up out of their closet saying, okay, when did you wear this last? And they're like, five years ago. I'm like, well, would you put this on your Pinterest board today? Yes. And yes. if they say no, I'm like, well, let's release it to charity. So there's yeah. no guilt. It's not like we're editing out because you did something bad. You bought something bad. Totally. We're using the Pinterest board that they created, their dream board, to motivate them to ask those harder questions of themselves. Yeah. Love that. Do clients come to you, Maria, with a like a solid personal style sort of in their head, or are they looking for that kind of direction, like clarification, help me be more aware, you know, where, where are they when they come to you usually? Typically the latter, right? I would say that they're looking for help kind of honing in on their signature style or helping 
curate one because, and typically back to our conversation about transition, they're probably at a juncture in their life. I had a client most recently where she in her forties now, she feels like, I just don't want to be like your typical suburban mom, right? Like there's something I, I want to have something more to not to, uh, to speak ill of suburban moms, but just to be able to say like, she wanted to speak her style in a different way. And so I think I spend a lot of time and that's where those descriptor words um, really do help me figure out what is that signature style? What's the vision for that for them? How do they, do they have someone in the world that they want to emulate, whether that's, you know, a celebrity or, you know, someone else in the world to be able to point to um, how we can help them fine tune it in a way, right? It's not to necessarily mimic a style that's already out there. I want you to develop your own. So I would say most of them come to me looking for, I've got all these things, but I don't know if this really meets my vision kind of a thing. So help, help me curate that from what I have. Mine tend to come to me in, in a moment of crisis and I'm not complaining because I love my clients, but yeah. um, you know, it, it's a crisis moment. There's an event or there's ah. a situation or there's a, a headshot. And so this is a new way of them even speaking and talking yes. about themselves like a personal style. They've never even used that term. Yeah. Um, because unfortunately, and this goes back to sustainability, we've trained ourselves in the U.S. in the last maybe 30 years, 35 years to just overconsume, go into a store, look around what's on the mannequins, buy what, whatever they've put together with no regard to, well, does that look that they put together for the season actually work on my body? Mm-hmm. Does it work on my shape, my size? Is it is it reflective of really how I want to look? Is it even my proper colors? You know, there's the whole color story, which we haven't even deep dived into. That's for another episode. That's right. Um, But we've been like, um, my husband taught me this term. I I didn't know what it was. Lemming, you know, the sheep that fall off the mountain. Oh, sure. I I didn't know that. I don't know why. Um, And I think we have this lemming mentality where it's like, we're too busy. We don't want to take the time. We just want to run to the mall and we want the solution to be on the mannequin. And we just want to buy it without thinking. And so I'm challenging women to take back that control and start thinking about really how they want to dress. They haven't yeah. even really thought about it. That's right. And that there can be joy and satisfaction in it, right? I think a lot of women... Uh, and men too have sort of looked at it as a necessary evil. We have to dress our bodies. We got to get through the day, right? And so what if you've reframed that and looked at that as a moment of creativity or um, a moment to kind of expand some new options and try something new? And maybe that sets a different tone for your day, right? So looking at wardrobe in a new way, and I love what you've said about, you know, establishing your style and finding the the joy and the happiness in how that might be uncovered is is something really special to witness. And I think is one of the great parts of being a stylist and seeing people embrace their own and have that agency that you spoke about. And I think we'll end today on, I I don't like to historically mark my podcast, but we are in a historical time. I'm hopeful that we're going to emerge out of this. It's spring now, and there is many scientific uh, tools to help us, you know, to be able to go out and about more vaccinations and whatnot. And I think this is an excellent opportunity. If you've never thought about your own personal style, um, we are emerging. We are emerging from a hundred year pandemic. Um, Let's find joy in every aspect of living and dressing is one aspect of that. 
And I think um, the way to honor those over 500,000 people in the U.S. who have perished is to emerge out of this with joy, bringing light and joy and color and kindness and wonderfulness to the world. And one way of doing that is being personally self-expressed through what you wear and how you adorn yourself. And that really will be a way to, to honor those people. Beautifully said. So Maria, as we end our show, tell our audience how they can reach you and give us the one nugget that you love best from today's episode. Well, first of all, thank you so much. And I would love if people would find me on Instagram. So I'm at MFD underscore style. So again, MFD underscore style. Um, I'm also on the web. So MFDstyle.com. So come check out um, if you want to learn more about my services. I would love, uh, love you to follow me there. And I would say my takeaway for today is really about, uh, well, can I have two? You can. can. I have, I have two? Okay. You absolutely can. <laughs> Thank you for giving me that liberty. The first would be uh, the value of collaboration, because I think the mere fact that we're on here together today talking about our business, our business models, sort of where we overlap, where we may diverge is such an important model that I hope other um, other colleagues that we have might mimic and, and join us in that collaboration. So that's the first. And the second would be about this commitment to sustainability and finding a way, whatever way works for you, whether it's the small incremental change that you might make about looking at the tag on your clothing to reimagining your clothing to looking at a capsule, right? There's a million different ways that we talked about today that you might be able to embrace a sustainable approach. I want you just to find one and start it because I think that to me feels like we're making some progress in the movement. Oh, I couldn't have summarized this better, but I'm going to tease the audience out. Watch for um, Instagram lives from us in the future at uh, MFD underscore style and... We'll do them on my Instagram account at last underscore stylist. And um, we'll just come together and have more conversations like this. This is wonderful. To find out more about Lisa's sustainable style, check out lasswardrobe.com.